Welcome back, my friends, to another podcast so rad it'll wreck your world. Radnorock. A retrospective episode of Radnorock. My name's Justin of Leal Legacy, and we're diving in to everything we didn't know we wanted to know about Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain, a ride that I was not brave enough to ride until I was maybe, I don't know, like 11. No, I probably still didn't ride it then. Probably like 12, 13. I don't know. For a while in my youth, um, we would go to Disneyland for my birthday. My uncle Neil would take me, my sister, his family, you know, to uh Disneyland for my birthday every year. It was you know, the best. Some of my most fond memories, some of my strongest memories. Well, the strongest memories of the the happy variety <laughs> are are those Disney trips. And uh yeah, I'm I'm not even going to pretend I I was not brave enough to ride Splash Mountain for a very long time. I would sit it out. I would sit it out and sit there waiting for other people to go through the line, go on the ride. So I would sacrifice basically like maybe an hour plus of fun because I lacked the courage to ride it. I think it wasn't until one of my friends uh, in elementary school, I feel like his name, I feel like it was Colin. Colin and I were talking about Disneyland for one reason or another. And it came up uh, a part in Splash Mountain. And I had not been on Splash Mountain. But I wasn't, not only was I not brave enough to ride it, I wasn't brave enough to tell people that I was I was not brave enough to ride it. So I was like coward on coward on coward. You know what I mean? Um, basically, he and I were talking about Disneyland for one reason or another, and it came up. You know what? I think it was because in eighth grade, um, we took class Disney trips or an A-class Disney trip before, you know, graduating junior high and stepping over into high school or, you know, what have you. Um, so I think that was it. We got on the topic of Splash Mountain, and he brought up the part of the ride uh, just before and as you're going up the uh, incline to go down the waterfall. Uh, he was talking about how like spooky and how creepy it was and how it was like genuinely, you know, like the perfect thing to build suspense. Uh, and I was just going along with it. Like, yeah, yeah, I totally know what you're, ta you're talking about. No, I had no idea. I had no idea what he was talking about. And I think it might have been that eighth grade trip uh, where I first rode Splash Mountain because I didn't want to be lame, you know? I talked, I, I, 
I talked a big game. I don't know if necessarily I talked a big game, but I didn't, I wasn't upfront about my shameful fear of going on Splash Mountain. So to save face, I went on it and loved it. I don't know. I don't know what it was. You know, it, it, I guess maybe I had had some adverse like experiences on other rides of a similar nature, but I can't really pinpoint one. You know, you know that losing your stomach feel you get when you go down a drop of any kind, be it a waterfall or like a roller coaster or whatever. Uh, as a kid, I never, you know what it was? It was anxiety. I'm a very anxiety ridden person. And apparently that's affected me my entire life. And I'm just kind of coming to terms with that right now that even as a child, I didn't handle becoming anxious well like it really consumed me because every time I would and I guess it's a lot of people probably feel the same way it's the the anticipation of a thrill ride you know you're you're in line you're you hear the screams in the background and it's just from you know from the ride okay <laughs> for whatever reason saying that out loud sounded like a horror movie but you, you hear the people on the ride, you know, like making their, you know, thrill ride noises and it's hyping it up. It's hyping up that suspense. It's building the anticipation and that 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 fear, the fear inside grows or it grew in me. And like it, I just I couldn't hack it. And it wasn't until last year we went to. Uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom and Bane had a similar reaction to going on the dinosaur ride. Like he was breaking down with just terror. And I'm a terrible parent and I made him go on the ride anyway. Because more so because I knew the ride just wasn't anything. You know what I mean? There's nothing it's there's nothing outrageous on the ride. It's loud. You know what I mean? But it's not thrilling in the way of like there's no drops there's no I mean there are some unexpected surprises but you know like a haunted mansion or something you know what I mean like things will pop out at you and whatnot but I don't know I'm actually kind of shocked that he had that reaction to that ride but he'll go he, he'll go on Splash Mountain Space Mountain everything else is completely fine so I really don't know what it is about the dinosaur ride that affected him so deeply uh but I got it I get it because I saw myself in him and I'm just like I know this terror I know this feeling and <laughs> I'm excuse me I'm uh not I'm not a good I'm not a good parent and you know I didn't like take him out the exit and say, you know what, buddy, we don't have to do this. I can see it's really bothering you and we don't have to ride this ride. No, I made him go on it. <laughs> I'm awful. I don't know. But at the same time, I don't I don't know how to explain this. I want to say at the same time, I wouldn't force him to go on a ride that like I legitimately know is going to mess him up. But what do I know about that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what exactly triggers him to feel super anxious and scared because clearly it's not the same stuff that freaked me out at his age 
at his age, Splash Mountain freaked me out. At his age and him now, wasn't even faced by it. So I don't know. We're just two different people. Imagine that. But anyhow, Splash Mountain. I've been on it. I always go on it now. And it's one of my favorite rides. I love it so much. Um, I feel like I enjoy the Magic Kingdom version better than the uh, Disneyland version. That's not to say that the Disneyland version isn't awesome because it is. I don't know. Don't know. I, I think there's some more like extended scenes in the Magic Kingdom version that aren't at the Disneyland version. And that comes with, uh, you know, the, f- the first ride, you know, wherever a ride debuts, like Space Mountain debuted in Orlando and Disney World, Magic Kingdom. Uh, and then Disneyland got their version later on. And as a result, I feel like a wide consensus might be that uh, the Disneyland version of Space Mountain is the superior version. So Splash Mountain is similar, but in reverse. Know what I mean? Anyhow. So let's figure this out. Let's get into this. Splash Mountain... Do I say mountain weird? Mountain, 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 mountain. Splash Mountain. Ooh, that does sound better. Splash Mountain is a log flume at Disneyland, Tokyo Disneyland, and Magic Kingdom. Based on the animated sequences of the 1946 Disney film Song of the South. Although there are variations in the story... And features between the three locations, each installation begins with a peaceful outdoor float-through that leads to indoor dark ride segments with a climactic steep drop into a briar patch, followed by an indoor finale. The drop is 52.5 feet That's pretty fascinating. In June 2020, it was announced that the U.S. versions of the ride would be replaced with a theme based on the 2009 film, The Princess and the Frog. So, I have feelings about that. So, here we go. Interesting to me that all three Splash Mountains are themed to Song of the South. And it will only be the American versions of the ride, the U.S. versions of the ride, that will be going through the Princess and the Frog retheming. Now, Song of the South has some racially negative connotations supposedly i've never seen it i don't know i don't know anything about it other than zippity doodah and various clips that i've seen of the film and splash mountain now those three things don't resonate racism in my mind um i've been educated 
into why others feel that certain aspects of the ride are uh, racially questionable. And, you know, okay, I'm not one to tell anyone how to feel. Uh, I'll never tell you how to feel, but I also won't pretend to get it. You know what I mean? You know, like, I'll respect however you feel. You feel that way? A-okay. Good on you. But I'm not going to act as though uh, I'm able to find logic in certain things. So I, I get I get it. I get it. I get it. Not ever seeing the film, I don't necessarily know. Like, I have an idea of what racism is in my mind. And what I've seen of Song of the South doesn't necessarily reflect the idea of racism I have in my mind. Um, People also feel the same way about like the crows in Dumbo. And though they are caricatures of, you know, the African American community, I don't necessarily believe that it's done malicious, maliciously or out of hate or with intent to mock or hurt or uh, degrade or demean or beat down anybody. And I feel that way about Splash Mountain. You know what I mean? I have a feeling that Song of the South is similar in Dumbo, where there may be less than uh, sensitive characterizations of, you know, African-American individuals. And that's, by our standards today, we don't do that anymore. You know, for good reason. I get it. I understand. There's a lot of things we don't do anymore that they used to do way back when. They used to bleed people and put leeches on them when they were sick. You know what I mean? Like we grow, we learn, we evolve. That's, that's all, you know, it's growth. Yeah, it's by today's standards, we wouldn't make Song of the South. We wouldn't do characters like the crows and Dumbo, but not recognizing it as just a reflection of its time. It's, you know, it it is what it is. It's not something we would do today, but at the same time, I don't think it was done then maliciously either. So I'm conflicted in that way. Um, do you want to retheme Splash Mountain? Okay. The Splash Mountain can be rethemed. Rides are rethemed every now and again. Okay. Whatever. Uh make a new ride, maybe. That's that's another thing. Um there's nothing in Splash Mountain. There aren't even human characters in Splash Mountain, so you know, <laughs> there's there's that. Uh so any sort of 
racial connotations you're placing on anything on the ride itself are with you in you as an individual. And there may be a vocal, you know, like population out there who feel, feel similarly to the way you do, but I don't know, maybe just skip that one. Maybe. I don't know. Is that insensitive? I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think it's, if you want to retheme a ride, go for it. But to lace it with that reasoning doesn't sit well in my mind, especially when it's only two of them. If all three of them are themed for Song of the South and only two of them, the U.S. versions, are being rethemed, either retheme all of them or none of them. You know what I mean? If you're doing this based on racial injustice of some degree, then you're willingly leaving one more racist ride out there just because it's not in the U S does that make it less racist or is it just because it's the people in the U S that are talking too much about it and making a mountain out of a molehill? <laughs> a mountain. Anyway, I thought that was very, very funny. Um, <laughs> so you might be mad at me now. You might not. I don't know. I don't think I said anything to make anybody upset. I'm just saying I don't agree with the retheming under the uh, reasoning, current reasoning. You know what I mean? Now, whatever. I'll roll with it. I don't want anyone going to Disney anywhere and feeling out of place or feeling like there's something that exists that to knock them down. Now, I don't think Splash Mountain exists to knock down the African-American population. But I'm going to roll with this for a minute and play the other side of the coin in, um, yeah, it needs to be rethemed. This is a part of American history that we'd, prefer not to be exposed to okay okay all right yeah i don't want the magic of disney to be diluted for anybody so you're retheming it the princess and the frog okay um to me that feels like it just doesn't feel sincere. It doesn't feel genuine. It doesn't feel like it makes sense for the layout of that ride. Uh, I don't know. It's Splash Mountain doesn't feel New Orleans. You know what I mean? Make a princess and the frog ride for sure. Make it like the other dark rides existing at the parks, like the other storybook dark rides, you know? Pinocchio, Peter Pan, Little Mermaid, uh, Frozen, the Frozen ride at Epcot. Um, man, what else is there? Pinocchio, Winnie the Pooh. 
uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. You get what I'm saying, right? Do another ride like that. Why not? Put it in New Orleans Square in Disneyland. There's already a New Orleans-themed land at Disneyland. Find a way to slap it in there. You know what I mean? Like, that makes sense to me. Uh, My, okay, okay. Don't retheme it, Princess of the Frog. Okay, okay. But I'm not just saying don't do it, Princess and the Frog. I'm saying there are other characters that I feel fit that ride better. Like, if you're going to retheme this ride, here's an idea. The tip of the, like, Splash Mountain, the top, like, that that tree-looking part, make it Mother Willow from Pocahontas. There is a part in Pocahontas where she cliff dives alongside a waterfall. Animate that next to the drop as you go down. Like, it's... The ride is in Critter Country and Frontierland. You know, none of those, I guess, critters, maybe Princess and the Frog, there could be, you can pose an argument, but you can pose just as strong of an argument for the critters in Pocahontas. I'm not trying to knock down Tiana or the Princess and the Frog. I'm just saying that the layout of the ride currently fits the the story flow or the imagery from another existing Disney princess movie who, you know what has zero representation as well. She's native American. That's another, it's you're, you're still checking your, you know, your boxes for representation and stuff by using Pocahontas. And it just makes more sense to me. And then make, an original Princess and the Frog ride anywhere. I mean, even in Fantasyland, too. Like, wherever, dude. I don't care. Put it in Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom and then put it in New Orleans Square at uh, Disneyland. I don't know what Tokyo Disneyland has. Do they have a New Orleans Square, too? But it just makes more sense to me that way. You know? So, I don't know if this is going to upset some folks and if it did i'm sorry i am I, I i wasn't trying to be insensitive i wasn't trying to be anything but a disney fan that's all that's all because in the retheming and this is a retheming either way and you know this may seem insignificant this may seem superficial this may seem silly but taking away the music on Splash Mountain, going on Splash... Half, more than half of the fun on Splash Mountain is the music, I'd say. You know? Everyone's got a laughing place. Zippity-doo-dah. I mean, come on. (laughs) Are you going to keep those in there? Is is Tiana going to sing Zippity-doo-dah? Because if that's the case, then I feel a little bit better about it. You know? Is 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 that alligator? I forget. I forget its name. Are, are they going to sing about finding a laughing place? No, because those songs don't go in with that film. And 
it's going to be a bummer when they're gone. You know, just how I feel about it. So if you're somebody out there who feels, uh, I don't know, racially demeaned by any way or in any way by Splash Mountain, uh, that sucks. And I, I feel for you. That's a bummer. I I don't know what to say about that. I'm sorry it hurts your feelings. I don't think it's trying to. I don't think it's trying to. I don't believe that's the intention. I don't believe at all in the creation of those rides where they where they like, yeah, yeah, this group of people, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really stick it to them here. I don't know, just, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, I don't know, it, it, whatever, is what it is. So, hopefully, um, if you're a fan of classic Disney, if you're a fan of you know, uh, Disney history, get, get on that ride now. If you can, if you're able to find a way to either Disneyland or magic kingdom, uh, make, make splash mountain a priority. So you, so you get, you get it. You know what I mean? Like you, you get the experience of splash mountain as it was for decades and you, you know, whatever. That took a turn. That took a turn. It turned from everything you didn't know you wanted to know about Splash Mountain into this is how I feel about stuff. But anyway, so here's the story of Splash Mountain, like the ride story itself. The plot behind Splash Mountain is a composite of several Uncle Remus stories. So this is where that uh, negative or insensitive racial connotation comes from. Uh, Uncle Remus is the fictional title character and narrator of a collection of African-American folk tales compiled and adapted by Joel Chandler Harris and published in book form in 1881. Okay. Harris was a journalist in post- uh, Reconstruction Atlanta, and he produced seven. Oops. Oh, I lost it. Let's go. Let's just go to it, though. Let's just go. Let's just get. Let's just. Let's just figure this out, okay? Uh, he produced seven Uncle Remus books. So, Joel Chandler Harris is a white dude. Uh writing books from an African-American point of view, I suppose, in 1881. So, again, I don't, I don't know anything about anything, about anything, really, but I don't know. Did Joel Chandler Harris do these stories to be a, a bigot? Or... Was this just the world he lived in and he pulled inspiration from reality and just that's how it came to be? I don't know. He wrote these stories to represent the struggle in the southern United States and more specifically in the plantations. 
He did so by introducing tales that he had heard and and framing them in the plantation context. He wrote his stories in a dialect, which was his interpretation of deep South African-American language of the time. For these framings and stylistic choices, Harris's collection has endured controversy at the time of its publication. I mean, it endures controversy now, and I get the controversy. I understand. You know, white dude writing a voice for black America. Now, did he do it maliciously? Did he do it with a negative intent? I don't think so. From this, it sounds like he was doing it because... They couldn't, you know, they, they weren't not to say that they couldn't, they lacked the ability, but they lacked the resources and the, uh, support to write the stories themselves, you know, as the African, you know, like an African American at that time wasn't supported to be an author, encouraged to be an author like super crappy yeah very a very unfortunate time in human history but i don't think this is one of the negative aspects of the time it feels like this joel chandler harris was working the best he could to represent people who were unrepresented that's just how I see it. I don't, I don't never, you know, he lived in 1881, man. I don't know what his true intentions were. I don't know. I don't think anybody, anyone living today knows what, why Joel Chandler Harris, like what was going through his head when he sat down to write his uncle Remus stories. I don't know. Don't know. But I I have not seen anything that leads me to believe that it was done maliciously. And for someone to be recognizing the plight of the African-American people of the time and trying to, but seemingly, from what I understood about what I just read, seemingly trying to bring it to light for everyone else to see, um... I don't know. Maybe he was trying to do a good thing and maybe holding on to movies like song of the South and the theming of that movie further immortalized in a ride at the happiest and most magical places on earth. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't feel like there's, bigotry and hatred underneath all of this that's that's not you know obvious to me so i don't know i don't know anyhow um yeah so the plot behind splash mountain is a composite of several uncle remus stories the different versions of splash mountain feature similar stories all bet with small differences each ride presents scenes taken from the animated segments of the song or of the film Song of the South, telling the story of Br'er, Br'er Rabbit. I never understood that Br'er. It 
That's B-R apostrophe E-R. Br'er. Br'er Rabbit. Um, Br'er Rabbit, the protagonist. A... Oh, interesting. I hovered over the Br'er Rabbit link, and it gave an illustration that does not look like the Disney one. I was just caught off guard. Um, okay, telling the story of Br'er Rabbit, the protagonist, a mischievous character who leaves his home in search of adventure. Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear, the antagonists of the story, are determined to catch him, but are repeatedly tricked into letting him free. The sharp-witted Br'er Rabbit avoids a snare trap, as described in Br'er Rabbit earns a dollar a minute and uses it to trap Br'er Bear instead. Br'er Rabbit continues on his journey to find his laughing place to go ho ho, and you'll find your anyway. Uh, find his laughing place. Out of curiosity, his foes follow, but only for Br'er Rabbit to lead them into a cavern of bees. That is on the right. Uh, Br'er Fox eventually catches Br'er Rabbit in a beehive and threatens to roast him. Br'er Rabbit uses reverse psychology in Br'er Fox, begging the fox not to throw him into the briar patch. As described in... The tar, okay, that right there is pretty racist. I'm going to throw that one out there. Now, I get that. The title of that, you know, I'm not going to repeat. I don't need a clip of any of me saying anything. But you know where I was going, right? You know where I was going. So there, that is a pretty bigoty, insensitive title. The story does not lend itself to that title at all. There's no tar. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no babies. So that negative racial connotation has nothing to do with the story. And I don't know why it was titled that. I'm learning that now. And yeah, I feel like that's, Kind of messed up, you know? Br'er Rabbit earns a dollar a minute just sounds like an old animated short. The other one um, that I that I do know that the U.S. versions uh, do have that. That's the story. Um, Br'er Rabbit gets captured by a Br'er Fox in a beehive and, yeah, all that stuff. That that whole that whole segment is the ride Splash Mountain. So I don't know. Uh, is the problem with the title of that story? Which, if it is, um, yeah, I uh, I get it. I get it. And I feel as though uh, a different choice could have been made. So, again, I don't know. I don't know why it's called that. The story itself, even the story description that we went through here, doesn't reflect that title. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, um, it's a product of its time. You know what I mean? There's nothing... 
at the Disney parks that reflects that poorly chosen title. So I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to do some digging to really be offended by it, or you're just going to have to listen to this podcast, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just, how do you apologize for something that happened a hundred plus years ago? You know, I don't know. Yeah. That, that was, that we wouldn't do that today is all I can say. We wouldn't do that today. We know better now. Well, we do. We do know better now. We know better. Do we know the best? No. Still having a hard time with that for some reason. But we do know better now. So it's just a, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's like when you're watching old cartoons and they make like, you know, blackface gags. It's not cool. You know, it's a product of its time, though. It is what it is. I'm not going to hold it against the character. You know, like it's. We've evolved. Just like we don't cut people's wrists when they have a cold anymore. You know what I mean? We don't put leeches on people when they have a tummy ache. I don't know. We just, we've grown, we've evolved, we're, we're const, constantly trying to do better. But in the pursuit of constantly trying to do better, we got to remember what we're trying to do better then. Because how do you know, you know what I mean? Like if you cut all this away, you hide it all away, then you, you lose the understanding of why you're, you're being better. You know? I don't know. Anyway, Briar Fox then throws Briar Rabbit into the Briar Patch, represented by the ride's flume drop. Flume. Briar Rabbit escapes uninjured, um, miraculously. But we all do. We all go down the flume, and we all escape uninjured. The other animals rejoice to have Briar Rabbit back home, while Briar Fox and Briar Bear are last seen narrowly escaping the jaws of Br'er Gator. Woo. Fun. It is a fun story. It is a fun story, and as you write it, you're not hit with any sort of uh, negative racial connotation. In my mind. In my mind. But, you know. I'm Portuguese, so I don't, I don't, I don't really feel attacked ever. Except in Hawaii. Hawaiians have a uh, less than shining opinion of Portuguese people. So <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten to feel uh, like the butt of a lot of racial jokes before. <laughs> so I get it. Not to the same degree, but you know. Well, I'm I'm just gonna step away from this. this. Is about Splash Mountain, but the thing is, this comes with Splash Mountain. Unfortunately, so it is what it is. What are you gonna do? But I hope that everything I just read kind of shines some light on this. This isn't trying to hurt anybody. I don't think. I mean, that is a very poorly chosen title for the story we get on the ride. But at the same time, it's not called Splash Mountain and then in parentheses, the tar, you know, it's not there. So 
So let's for maybe maybe this maybe we forget that aspect of it. Let's 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 lose that old title to time, let it fade away, and just know this as the story of Splash Mountain. That's it. Whatever. If I made you mad, then I don't know. You can hit stop. Go do something else. Uh, Splash Mountain. Here's a little history of it for it. Splash Mountain was originally conceived in the summer of 1983 by Imagineer Tony Baxter uh, while stuck in rush hour traffic on his way to work. Wow. So he's stuck in rush hour traffic and he's just sitting there thinking about a flume ride? Or was he listening to Zippity Doodah and he was like, man, this song needs a ride based around it, which I would agree. Um, he wanted to attract guests to the often empty bear country land in Disneyland. Bear country, uh, which later was re-themed as Critter Country. Um Land in Disneyland. Okay, so wait, hold on. He wanted to attract guests to the often empty bear country land in Disneyland with the only attraction as the Country Bear Jamboree, which later closed in 2001, plus a souvenir shop and make use of the audio animatronics from America Sings, which was also poorly attended. Oh, I didn't know they were recycled animatronics in there. Um... It was Dick Nunes who insisted that the Imagineers create a log flume for Disney or for Disneyland, but the Imagineers were initially unenthusiastic about it, feeling that log flumes were too ordinary theme park attractions or was a too ordinary theme park attraction to include in a Disney park. They were like, log flumes are kind of boring. Log flumes are really generic. Doesn't have a place here at Disney. Uh, while trying to solve the problems of including a log flume, bringing people into bear country, and reusing the American Sings characters, Baxter thought of Song of the South. That's the inspiration for using Song of the South. They're like, we got a bunch of animatronics that are animals. They can sing. We need a log flume. What what in here fits these, you know, parameters that we're trying to work within? Boom, Song of the South. There is no hidden agenda there, as far as I can tell. Uh, construction began at Disneyland in April 1987. By that time, Splash Mountain, whose budget had risen greatly to $75 million, had become one of the most expensive projects created by Walt Disney Imagineering. The entire park cost around $17 million to build in 1955, which translates to around $80 million in 1987. According to Alice Davis, wife of the late great Imagineer, or not Imagineer, animator, sorry. I was still thinking of uh, Baxter when I was thinking it, Imagineer. Um, the, Mark Davis... He was a, a animator for Disney, one of the nine nine old men. Um, anyway, 
Uh, Alice Davis, uh, according to Alice Davis, when America Sings closed in April 1988, production of Disney's Splash or Disneyland. Okay, I'm going to start this one over because I went off on a a tangent because I I miss, you know, careered Mark Davis. According to Alice Davis, wife of the late Mark Davis, when America Sings closed in April 1988, production of Disneyland's Splash Mountain had gone far over budget. Uh, The only way to recover was to close down America Sings and use the characters from that attraction. So it sounds like the attraction wasn't the attraction wasn't closed, but with uh, Tony Baxter thinking of needing to reuse some of the uh, characters. It sounds like they had already been like, you know what? Nobody goes on this ride. Let's repurpose this, but into what? But then it also sounds like, according to Alice Davis, she's like, they had to close America Sings because the construction of Splash Mountain was so over budget. But then you get the the contradicting uh, aspect of in 1983, uh, Tony Baxter was like, we need to use these animatronics how so i don't know i don't know who's right uh i i would think the imagineer would have more accurate information than the wife of a um deceased animator not trying to be insensitive but i mean you were married to a legendary animator one of the nine old men i'm not necessarily going to be confident in your uh, ride strategy, like theme park ride strategy information. I don't know. I Sorry, Alice. Hope I don't offend. Um, anyway, Baxter and his team developed the concept of zippity doodah. Oh, wait, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. I just, I get, I get so rolling on zippity do. I gotta, like, that's not even what this says. My dyslexia took over hard here. That doesn't say zippity doodah. That's just that was just my brain. What it really says is Baxter and his team developed the concept of zip a d river run. So there is a zippity in there, but there's no doodah. Uh, zippity river run, which would incorporate scenes from Song of the South. Okay. The name was later changed to Splash Mountain after then-CEO Michael Eisner's suggestion that the attraction be used to help market the 1984 film Splash. <laughs> so even in the titling, it's like, we got we to gotta promote a mermaid movie. <laughs> so we're going to... It has nothing to do with this ride. Mermaids... And this movie have nothing to do with this ride. But we're going to use the word splash to keep the word splash in people's minds so they go to the movie. That's <laughs> so silly. <laughs> oh, man. The characters from America Sings were used in many scenes, though all of the main characters were specifically designed for Splash Mountain. Dave F- 
Feetin? Fightin? F-E-I-T-E-N. You tell me how that's pronounced. Dave Feetin. Fetin. Fetin. Fightin. Was then brought in to animate and fix story and staging problems. Feetin or Fightin moved nearly all of the animatronics to new locations, removing 10 animatronic figures from the ride completely to improve the show. Wow. Less animatronics made for a better show experience? Interesting. And I wonder which ones they were. Uh, let's see. Splash Mountain was originally planned to open in 1988, but this was delayed to 1989. The planned grand opening on July 17th, 1989 could not be met. Wait, what? The grand opening in 19, July 17th, 1989 could not be met, but the original planned opening of 88 was delay, delayed to 89, so it was delayed in 89 again? Hmm. Weird. Uh, early riders made up of company executives were getting soaked rather than lightly sprayed. What's wrong with that? And so the ride opening date had to be delayed again for months so that the boats could be redesigned to hold fewer passengers, to build them lighter, and to redesign the bottom of or the bottom and bow to make them less likely to splash so much water around. I mean, yeah, I guess you don't want to be drenched, but I feel like you get pretty wet depending on where you sit and who you're riding with. Um, yeah. I feel like the heavier areas in the log will become more wet you know what i mean that's what i'm thinking could be wrong though uh let's see how to make them less likely to splash water aboard okay uh and yeah if too much water is coming in those boats might start to like sink they gotta be drained right with the amount of water that goes into them now, I feel like they can evaporate pretty easily. It's not going to get too, you know, the water's not going to weigh it down too much to where it, like, submerges. Is that the right word? Um, to celebrate the opening of Disneyland's version in 1989, a television special was made called Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain. <laughs> Oh, I want to find that. I I enjoyed the Ernest movies growing up. Um, I didn't realize that there was a television special for Splash Mountain called Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain. And now that I know that, I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of locating that and watching it. I wonder if I could find it on YouTube, and I wonder if I'll be able to do a watch-along for it. I'm thinking, yeah, maybe. We'll see. But that also sounds like something they would want to add to Disney Plus, though, too. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> actor and comedian Jim Varney, also the voice of Slinky Dog. You see how long Jim Varney has been in the Disney family? 1989. Maybe even before that. I'm not sure. But at least 1989. Uh <laughs> 
returned. Okay, so actor and comedian Jim Varney returned to play the title role of Ernest in the special. Oh, so he had already retired as Ernest, maybe. Returned to play the title role. Well, who else would play Ernest, honestly, if it wasn't Jim Varney? Um, <laughs> in 1991, uh, construction began for the Splash Mountain attraction at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom and Tokyo Disneyland. On July 17th, 1992, soft openings began at the Magic Kingdom. The two versions of Splash Mountain officially opened within a day of each other on in October 1992. The Tokyo Disneyland attraction opened on October 1st, and the Magic Kingdom attraction opened on October 2nd. Wow, so that effectively, effectively makes the Magic Kingdom version of Splash Mountain the latest version because <laughs> it opened a day later. It was the third Splash Mountain to be open. I always thought it was the second one. Um, in the late 1990s, the ride became synonymous with the phrase Flash Mountain. Why? Some female rider. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So here we go. Flash Mountain. Some female riders briefly expose their breasts during the descent, hoping to make illicit use of the in ride photographers or photographs that Disney later sells to ride patrons. Crafty, crafty bees. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that's so that's funny. Yeah, now now when you try to do anything silly going down, I think on anything, any any ride that has, you know, the photo op, it uh like if you do something less than savory going down Splash Mountain, it'll get rid of your photo and say your photo was washed away. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Uh in January 2011, Splash Mountain at Magic Kingdom received lap bars for safety reason. Huh. Each row of two to three passengers share one lap bar. Meanwhile, Tokyo Disneyland received individual lap bars, which makes the height restriction five inches shorter than the other two versions. I, uh... Yeah, I guess I didn't remember. I didn't I didn't have a clear memory of pulling down a lap bar, but I guess I did at the uh, at Magic Kingdom. And is that is that is that saying that Disneyland currently still doesn't have lap bars because thinking back about it, at the Disney World, that Magic Kingdom, you sit side by side in a row. Disneyland, you sit one in front of the other. So it's interesting. Um, cool. Five inches shorter. That's a lot shorter too. They added lap bars and five deducted five inches from the height requirement. That's a lot, man. That's almost half a foot. Uh, cool. A version of the attraction was planned for Disneyland Paris, but was scrapped due to budget reasons and the Colder weather in Europe. I mean, that makes sense. If it's colder, you're not going to want to be wet walking around. So, yeah, I get it. Uh, during the 2018 season, the Magic Kingdom location received a new sponsorship by Ziploc. 
The company created custom plastic bags to protect belongings for guests who rode the attraction. I've never used those. I didn't I didn't know anything about this. That's fairly recent. And yeah, had no clue. I'm going to look for that next time I'm there. In June 2020, it was announced that the Disneyland and Magic Kingdom attractions would be rethemed based on the 2009 film The Princess and the Frog. Disney stated that development of the project began in 2019 prior to the online petitions that were circulated during the George Floyd protests. The New York Times reported that Disney executives have been privately discussing removing the attraction's Song of the South theme for at least five years. That's interesting. Before putting it into development, a theme based on the Princess and the Frog. Oh, wait. Oh. I, I, my dyslexia kicked in and chopped up that sentence weird. The New York Times reported that the Disney, that, okay, the New York Times reported that Disney executives have been privately discussing removing the attraction's Song of the South theme for at least five years before putting into development a theme based on Princess and the Frog. Got it. The project will be led by Walt Disney Imagineer. Uh, senior creative producer. Woo. Um, wow. What is this name? She, Sharita, Sharita Carter, C H A R I T A, Sharita, Carita, 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 Sharita. You tell me how that's pronounced. Um, so let's see. Imagine Walt Disney Imagineer, senior creative producer, Sharita or Carita Carter with Baxter running as a creative advisor. A spokeswoman said that there are no plans to redesign the attraction at Tokyo Disneyland, although the Oriental Land Company, that's an interesting title, which operates Tokyo Disney Resort, is currently engaged in discussions on whether or not to change the attraction. So I guess there is a third-party company that operates uh, Disney in Tokyo. So it's really up to them. It's not necessarily up to Disney themselves to retheme that ride. That's why only the U.S. versions are currently going through the seemingly guaranteed retheming of the ride. Interesting. Uh, in August 2021, Vice President of Magic Kingdom, Melissa v- Valichetti, Valichetti, Melissa Valichetti, V-A-L-I-Q-U-E-T-T-E, Valichetti, is that is that right? Um, stated that due to the slow process of redesigning the ride, it was going to be a little bit of time to reimagine Splash Mountain. Oh, it's going to be a little bit of time to reimagine Splash Mountain because you're picking a theme that doesn't fit the blueprint of the ride? Like, at all? (laughs) Could that be it? Maybe if you picked a story and a theme that kind of, you know fit the existing skeleton of the ride mechanics 
it might go a little quicker? Or do you guys not really want to make a redesign? Because a redesign seems a little, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Doesn't, you know, you know, doesn't fix anything. <laughs> Changing Splash Mountain isn't going to fix racial conflicts outside the parks. Like, it's just, I don't know, man. Let's Let's put our focus on things to, like, actually make the world a better place. Right? 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 Is anybody going to go and go, oh, man, finally, finally, Splash... Splash Mountain's been rethemed. Everything's okay. <laughs> Everything is all better now. Um, yeah. All of the rides feature the same scenes and a nearly identical layout. The story of Splash Mountain, Br'er Rabbit Leaves Home, is told in the dark ride segment on the meandering river. The flume converts to a roller coaster style track in complete darkness to transition to the laughing place caverns. Uh, after Br'er Rabbit is captured, the log ascends up the attraction's predominant hill into the, you know, the TB segment. Although in the attraction, the TB segment is replaced with the a hive of bees got it got it um and i'm saying tb referencing the unfortunately name or titled story previously so i don't know man i don't know i don't know that that itself again is uh a very unfortunate story title but again i don't know it's not plastered up there i don't know how many people knew that that story it was called that and that portion of splash mountain was based on a story that was called that now although the attraction okay so although in the attraction that particular sequence is replaced with a hive of bees so i'm not sure what the original is the original actually tar i don't get it Anyhow, um, modifications were made clearly to de distance itself from the like, the source material. So I don't know. I don't know, guys. Um, Brer Rabbit, now captured by Brer Fox, tricks the villain into throwing him into the Briar Patch. The drop itself mimics Briar Rabbit's fall. Uh, the log descends a fifty. This this says fifty six foot drop. The log descends a 56-foot drop into a briar patch before continuing back into the mountain where numerous audio animatronic animals sing a chorus of zippity-doo-dah. Voila. Voila. Um, hmm. Should I get into the individual parks? Or no. Yeah. Because if I don't, this would be chopped up into multiple podcasts. And uh, I don't think that would do anybody any good. So let's just roll with it, right? So in Disneyland, 
Guests enter the queue in front of the main drop viewing area. The queue winds past the Critter Country sign into the main entrance where a number of machines with cogs and gears uh, dominate. Okay. Various uh, thoughts and sayings from Uncle Remus are featured on signs throughout the queue, which winds around a barn structure and reaches the loading area. Passengers ride aboard six to seven. Yeah, passengers ride aboard six to seven cedar logs with six single file seats. So it's a six to seven cedar log. Oh, okay. Because you can fit small children in front of you. So if you have like a three-year-old or a four-year-old, I don't know. How old was Bane when he could finally ride this? Five? So Bane would sit like directly in front of me instead of a seat of his own. So yeah. Um, Let's see. The last seat in each log is larger and allows room for larger guests or an adult and a small child. Overall, increasing the capacity to be seven in each log. There you go. Um, the log departs the loading area and ascends two conveyor-type lifts before floating gently through uh, scenery designed to invoke the feeling of a river in the southern state of Georgia. The homes of the tr- three main characters... And aged farm equipment are incorporated into the landscape along with an in- instrumental version of How Do You Do? How do you do? Five minute, 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 um, Emanating from hidden speakers along the waterway. waterway. Pretty good, sure as you're born. Uh, how do you... Uh, before the logs enter the indoor portion, snoring is heard emanating from Brer Bear's Cave. The snoring is a tribute to the original entrance to Bear Country, the former name of Critter Country, where the bear named Rufus was heard snoring from a cave. So look at that. They tip their hats. At Bear Country, and uh, they actually they have that same scene in the Magic Kingdom version as well. So if you're at Magic Kingdom, the snoring you're hearing coming out of uh, Brer Bear's house is a nod to Bear Country, one of the OG locations in uh, Disneyland, which is now Critter Country. Uh, let's see. After a short drop down slip and falls, guests enter the indoor portion of the attraction where various audio animatronic animals such as geese, frogs, and opossums. <laughs> I know it's just, I know it's just possums, but I like saying opossum. Okay. Sing the attraction's first musical number. How do you do? How do you do? Fine, man, a minute, man, a minute, me, 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 me. I don't. I think I know the words. Pretty good, sure as you're born. What goes up is sure to come down. A penny lost is a penny found. My, 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 my. See, that's where I start to lose it. Um, 
Yeah. After rounding the corner, riders see Br'er Bear caught in a trap while Br'er Fox berates him and tells him, we got to catch that Br'er Rabbit. Br'er Rabbit, seen outside his briar patch, tells Br'er Turtle that he's leaving home in search of adventure and he's heading for his laughing place. Br'er Bear follows him only for the laughing place to actually be a trick and Br'er Bear winds up being attacked by bees as Br'er Rabbit laughs at the sight. Writers progress through the surreal rainbow caverns where characters sing, everybody's got a laughing place. Everybody's got a laughing place. Br'er Fox then manages to trap Br'er Rabbit in a beehive. The mood turns ominous as two mother characters, uh, a possum and a rabbit, sing the burrow's lament. At the base of the final lift hill, two vultures uh, bear ominous warnings for the riders. The logs being the final... Oh, wait, hold on. The logs begin the final ascent, and shortly before the attraction's climactic drop, Br'er Rabbit is seen alongside the hill, about to be eaten by Br'er Fox, but Br'er Rabbit outsmarts Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear by tricking them into throwing him into the Br'er Patch, where he was born and raised. <clears throat> couple things. My voice got a little phlegmy there and started cracking, so I do apologize for that. What I'm also going to apologize is we've gone over this story and rundown of the ride so many times already. So I hope that it's still at least a little bit entertaining for you. If not, I apologize. And uh, I'm going to keep going. Riders are then sent down the final drop into the briar patch, mimicking his fall. The top half of the drop is highly visible from the adjacent areas of the park. An on-ride photo is taken as the log begins to fall, and it can be purchased after disembarking from the ride. From the top of the hill, riders look towards the Splashdown point. Wait. From the top of the hill, riders looking toward the splashdown point will notice a full pond of water ahead of them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm not sure what they're referencing. Well, good news. I'm going to Disneyland fairly soon, so I'm going to figure out what that uh, is in reference to. The log then dives under the water into an underground runout. The collective weight of the riders generally determines the degree to which they get wet here. See, I knew it. It depends on the rider size. Like the collective weight of the log itself. But let's be real. Like <clears throat> last time we rode Splash Mountain and Magic Kingdom. Um, I feel like it might have been just myself, Bane, and Rylan riding it. 
if there was anyone else in the log, it may have been like one person at most. So given that all of the weight in that log was where we were sitting, we got pretty drenched. So fascinating, fascinating stuff. Um, where did I drop off the collective weight? Okay. Here, uh, an indoor segment follows the drop, which after which the logs make a final entrance into the section of the mountain named Duda landing. <laughs> I like that Duda landing where a full cast of audio animatronic figures sing zippity Duda and the respective fates of Br'er Rabbit reclined happily at his home and the antagonists fending off a hungry Br'er gator are seen. As the log passes through the Duda landing room, a series of glass windows can be seen near the ceiling behind which is a tunnel used by Disneyland by the Disneyland railroad track. Interesting. So behind that glass window, the Disneyland railroad track passes through. That's pretty cool. Uh, Before the return to the loading area, riders are given a preview of their picture that was taken on the final drop via an overhead screen. Professor Barnaby owl an an overheard audio animatronic calls the writer's attention to the screen as he remarks on their expressions. After disembarking the log, writers enter a dark room where they can preview their on-ride photograph before exiting back out to Critter Country. Wowee. That is Splash Mountain at Disneyland, then Splash Mountain. Bleh, 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 then Splash Mountain at Tokyo Disneyland. Splash Mountain at Tokyo Disneyland is a very similar. Oh wait, hold on. Splash Mountain at Tokyo Disneyland is very similar to the Florida version of the ride, with a few exceptions. The ride's layout is a mere image of Florida's own to the attraction's location on the opposite side of the river. The secondary characters are altogether different, and the show scenes are in different orders. Interesting. The Tokyo version also lacks a mill or barn-like structure on the second lift, although it is used as the main entrance to the ride queue. That's pretty fascinating. Instead, the logs then oh, oh, hold on. Instead, the logs venture into a cave-like opening to the beginning. I'm reading that all kinds of messed up. Let me start over. Hurrah dyslexia. Instead, the logs venture into a cave-like opening to begin the second ascent. Another difference from the Florida version is that the slip and falls drop takes place in a dark cave, making the final drop the only outdoor one. 
The Tokyo version does not have an extra drop after the biggest drop, while the Florida version does. Yeah, kinda. The uh, the drop after the big drop at Magic Kingdom isn't really much of a drop. It's kind of like a very small hill. Uh, what I'm looking at has the photos of each mountain and aesthetically I feel like Disneyland's my favorite it, it's it's the most mountain looking at least between the three all right so that was Disneyland and Tokyo Disneyland now let's dive into Magic Kingdom so at Magic Kingdom, without a critter country in Walt Disney World, Splash Mountain is instead located in Frontierland across the way from Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Construction of Splash Mountain uh, necessitated the demolition of the existing railroad station and temporarily turning the railroad into a shuttle between Main Street USA and Mickey's Toontown Fair. Riders board eight passenger logs seated two by two, unlike Disneyland where they seat one by one. Logs are now equipped with lap bars for safety reasons following a January 2011 renovation. The log departs the loading area where Br'er Frog provides safety reasons following... Oh, wait. (laughs) See? Dyslexia. I just went right back up to the line I was on. Hold on. Okay. The log departs the loading area where Br'er Frog provides instruction or introductory... Man. Wow. Please. I do apologize for the way my brain translates text. Take three. Can we do a take three? Do we have we have enough film for a take three? Uh, okay. Now I just lost where I'm at. Okay, the log departs the loading area where Br'er Frog provides uh, introductory narration. The log ascends a dual chain lift that drops riders in a small pond at the bottom of the big drop okay after a right turn logs enter the barn and climb another lift to the space behind the visible mountain before floating gently through scenery designed to invoke the feeling of a river in the southern United States, particularly Georgia, where Song of the South was based. The homes of the three main characters, aged farm equipment, stagecoach, wagon, and ale ale barrels are incorporated into the landscape, along with the country instrumental version of How Do You Do?, emanating from hidden speakers along the waterway. A lot like the Disneyland version, with the exception of Br'er Frog providing some uh, introduction narration. All right, let's see. Um, After passing Br'er Bear's cave, the logs descend down the slip in falls drop and cross back under the flume. 
The logs then enter the show building containing the indoor portion of the attraction where various audio animatronic animals, including geese and frogs, sing the attraction's first musical number, How Do You Do? Uh, Several vignettes establish the story of a restless Br'er Rabbit leaving home and being pursued by Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear. Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear see Br'er Rabbit telling Mr. Bluebird that he's going to his laughing place. Br'er Porcupine warns him of the danger ahead, but Br'er Rabbit continues on. Everybody's got a laughing place begins to play after Briar Bear springs Briar Bear's foxes or one more time. Everybody's got a laughing place begins to play after Briar Bear springs Briar Fox's rabbit trap. Hoy. The logs continue onward past a roadrunner who asks to be taken along to the laughing place. While possums sing the song from overhead. I vaguely remember that, Roadrunner. Um, the logs reach a dark tunnel, followed by a dip drop into the laughing place. Bees attack Br'er Bear while Br'er Rabbit laughs with joy, unaware that Br'er Fox is behind him, preparing to drop a beehive on top of him. The logs then go over another short drop and head further into the cavern seams. There, guys are riding there. Guys are riding turtles and laughing, singing bullfrogs and dancing water fountains guide the log to a dark area in which Br'er Rabbit has been caught by Br'er Fox in a cave of stalactites. And stalagmites. Whoa. I was losing confidence right there in my ability to read aloud. Two vultures, this time wearing top hats. Oh, they're dressed. They're dressed in the Magic Kingdom and not Disneyland. Amazing. <laughs> that just adds that adds a whole new element of class, really. Uh, true, <laughs> two vultures, this time wearing top hats, taunt riders as they begin their ascent up the final lift. A scene to the left side of the flume shows Br'er Fox menacing Br'er Rabbit with Br'er Rabbit's... Okay, hold on. A scene to the left side of the flume shows Br'er Fox menacing Br'er Rabbit with Br'er Rabbit pleading not to be thrown into the Briar Patch. At the top of this third lift, the log descends... The 50-foot, oh, it's shorter in Magic Kingdom, descends the 50-foot drop at a 45-degree angle, reaching a maximum speed of 40 miles per hour into the tunnel underneath the Frontierland walkway. After another outdoor flume segment, the log coasts back into the mountain where critters at Doodah Landing are singing Zippity Doodah in celebration of Br'er Rabbit's return, while Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear attempt to fend off Br'er Gator. At the end of Br'er Rabbit, 
at the end, Br'er Rabbit sings with Mr. Bluebird telling him he learned his lesson. After exiting the log, riders can tap their card or magic bands to save their photos. That was quite the endeavor that we just went on. Man. You know, I, I was under the delusion that this was going to be like a shorter episode. Nah, no, no, no. Uh, one of the most important aspects of Splash Mountain is, like I was saying earlier, the soundtrack. Those songs are so Disney to me that for them not to be incorporated in the park, I feel is beyond tragic. Uh, so the soundtrack here, Disneyland, Splash Mountain at Disneyland features music in a jazzy big band meets orchestral style, uh, fitting the attraction's proximity to New Orleans Square. I don't feel like the proximity of Splash Mountain is really that close to New Orleans Square, really. I mean, maybe. Um, How Do You Do, recorded specifically for the ride in 1988 by the Floozies, a 29-piece band from Oregon, uh, the backing track of Bomb 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 that can be heard coming from the bullfrogs in accompaniment to the lyrics sung by the geese was sung by 13 of the 29 members. Walter Steven, Sim Hergley, Hergle, Hergle. Walter, Stephen, in quotations, Sim, S-I-M, and then Hergle, H-U-R-G-L-E, you tell me how that's pronounced, uh, is the band's lead vocalist, and his voice can be heard singing most of the words while his fellow band members provide harmony and backing vocals. One of the bullfrogs is voiced by veteran voice actor Thurl Ravenscroft, who I feel that name is very, very familiar. Thurl Ravenscroft, uh, he's the voice behind the Kellogg's Frosted Flakes spokesperson, Tony the Tiger. Um, he was also the uncredited uncredited vocalist for You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Oh. Um, Raisincroft did some voiceover work and singing for Disney and both the films and attractions at Disneyland and Disney World. Best known for these attractions are Haunted Ma- Mansion as a singing bust. Oh, look at his face. He is one of those singing busts. That's interesting. Country Bear Jamboree, Mark Twain Riverboat, Pirates of the Caribbean, Disneyland Railroad, and Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room as Fritz. Wow. That is, that's a lot. Wow, he lived to 91 too. What a What an epic life. That is so fascinating that his voice is heard across all of those different attractions. I was thinking I recognize Thurl Ravencroft um, from like that name from like a movie or something, but I guess not. I guess it was, I was reading something about probably Haunted Mansion, to be honest with you, if I 
picked up that name from anywhere. Um, okay, so next, everybody has a laughing place, but everybody is spelled E-V apostrophe R-Y-B-O-D-Y. Everybody. Everybody has a laughing place. And Bur- Burroughs Lament. These songs are sung by Elsa, Georgia, and Castell Newton, three sisters from California who worked for the Walt Disney Company at the time of the ride's construction. Castell and Elsa sing the words while Georgia was responsible for the high-pitched operatic Oz <laughs> in the background. One of those. Um, which were removed upon the song changing from Sooner or Later to Burroughs Lament. Burroughs Lament is mainly sung by B.J. Ward. Uh, the vultures above the third lift hill are voiced by Jess Harnell. Um, let's see. What did Jess Harnell do? Jess Harnell is an American voice actor and singer. He voiced Captain Hero in the animated TV series Drawn Together, Wacko Warner in Animaniacs, Ironhide in the first three Transformer films uh, produced by Michael Bay, and Crash Bandicoot. Wow. Good for you, Jason Harnell. Um, Zippity Doodah, a choir consisting of over four or 75 a choir consisting of over 75 cast members was used to record this last score recorded in the company's Burbank studios in 1987. Jess Harnell sings a solo as Br'er Rabbit as he as the logs take their final turn back into the station. That's really cool. 75 cast members. Are the choir are the that sings Zippity Doo at the end, with Wacko Warner <laughs> singing uh, a solo as Br'er Rabbit. Wow, it's full circle right there. Like small world after all, right? Um, in addition, several other songs from Song of the South are heard as instrumental tracks playing on a loop near the attraction and in the queue area. These include. That's what Uncle Remus said. Sooner or later, all I want, who wants to live like that and let the rain pour down? The loop only features songs from the film and lasts about 25 minutes. Animators took over 80 hours to synchronize each figure. To rewire and test each figure took an additional three months before the attraction could open. As programmers were tasked with reprogramming the figures from their previous America Sings performances with a decent level of realism in accordance with the new setting, uh, new settings, each character can carry out 45 seconds of movement and dialogue before a loop function restarts the sequence from the beginning. Huh. That's pretty interesting. So Tokyo Disneyland, like in Florida, the main melodies consist of banjos, fiddles, and harmonicas. The vocals, however, are completely different from the Magic Kingdom attraction, 
with the specific verses sung within the show scenes arranged in different orders and the choruses and backup vocals arranged with different harmonies. Additionally, dialogue and lyrics in Tokyo are Japanese for how do you do and zippity doodah, but English for everybody's got a laugh in place. In both instances, Burroughs Lament is heard as an instrumental track with timpani drums, uh, a take that was originally recorded for Disneyland but never used, uh, with dramatic orchestra and choir. Wow. So it really sounds like the Tokyo Disneyland and Magic Kingdom versions are more closely related than the Disneyland version, which makes sense because those two opened within a day of each other, right? Yeah. So fun. And then having two of the songs in Japanese or most of the songs in Japanese and then the two in English. That's, that's interesting. Um, Magic Kingdom. The ride features the same songs heard at the Disneyland attraction, which are variations of the three songs found in the animated segments from Song of the South, though the attraction does not present these songs in the same order as the film. Because the ride's location in Frontierland, the song, I mean, the soundtrack features a country feel with banjos and harmonicas as the primary instruments, and also because of Florida's proximity to Georgia, where Song of the South was set. Burroughs Lament is the only exception using an orchestral track with tampani drums originally recorded for the Disneyland version. Fascinating. So what we've learned here is that the music for Disneyland has a more uh, New Orleans jazz vibe to them. And then Magic Kingdom, because it's part of Frontierland, has a more country sound. So that is very fascinating. And I wonder how obvious that is when you've ridden both. Um, in the order heard in the attractions ride through segments, how do you do? Everybody's got a laugh in place and then followed by zippity doodah. That's how the sequence of songs goes at magic kingdom. Uh, songs from the film heard as instrumental tracks in the queue area include that's what uncle Remus said, let the rain pour down sooner or later. And the opening theme from the film, uh, Traditional songs like Old MacDonald Had a Farm and Goober Peas are also played in the bluegrass style or in a bluegrass style. I didn't notice that. Uh, the loop lasts about an hour and includes different orchestrations of the three main songs heard in the ride as well. Fascinating. Um, music releases, despite being released on CD, uh, attributed to the Magic Kingdom or Walt Disney World in general, as well as often being specific track attribute attribution, such as from Walt Disney World Splash Mountain, the country western style soundtrack actually found at the Florida and Tokyo parks has the least managed has at least managed to surface on the 2003 Walt Disney World CD entitled The Official Album Where Magic Lives. 
What did I just read? <laughs> okay, let's try that again. Despite being released on CD, attributes of the Magic Kingdom or Walt Disney World in general, as well as being, as well as often bearing specific track attribution, attribution such as from Walt Disney World Splash Mountain, the country western style soundtrack actually found at the Florida and Tokyo parks has at least managed to surface on the 2003 Walt Disney World CD entitled The Official Album Where Magic Lives. So what I'm gathering from that is the soundtrack from Disneyland is like the standard versions we hear of those songs, but there is a version out there with the more country vibe that you find in Magic Kingdom and Tokyo Disneyland. Crazy. Um, Let's see. Banjos are heard for over halfway through the 757 length as well as at the end. 757, 7 minutes and 57 second length as well as at the end. It is a very different musical arrangement when compared to many other Walt Disney World, Disneyland, or combination Walt Disney World, Disneyland CDs labeled as the official album. The Disneyland ride does not incorporate this particular country western-themed soundtrack. Huh. Fan-credited versions of the country western version from the magic kingdom have also surfaced as mp3 downloads online tokyo disneyland variations have surfaced also but have been harder to locate wild so lastly shout out to the cast brer rabbit jesse harnell brer fox jd hall on the Disneyland version and Jess Harnell for the magic kingdom version, Br'er bear, Nick Stewart and Jess Harnell, some lines Disneyland version, then James Avery, the magic kingdom version, Mr. Bluebird, Jess Harnell, Br'er frog, James Avery, bullfrogs, Thurl raisin, Ravencroft, Thurl Ravenscroft, Mother Possum is B.J. Ward. Mother Rabbit is B.J. Ward. Geese, Jess Harnell. And the Vultures are Jess Harnell. Jess Harnell, shout out to you, King of Splash Mountain. <laughs> Woo! All right, we did it, guys. We did it. We went through everything we didn't know we wanted to know about all three current iterations of Splash Mountain. Now, you can Go to the parks yourself and experience these wonderful rides. I've only ridden two out of the three, but the two I've been on are, you know, Disney staples, Disney classics. Uh, Hopefully one day I'll be able to go to Tokyo Disneyland and I'll be able to uh, experience that one as well. And I do genuinely hope that you are able to experience the rides, all three versions of Splash Mountain yourself as well. But if you're unable to immediately or in the near future, or if you're just like at home jonesing for a little taste of Splash Mountain, 
Well, good news. On our website, specifically the post for this episode, um, and on YouTube and wherever else I feel like posting it, you can find uh, both ride-through videos where it's just footage I've taken of one of my times going through the entire ride itself, and then another version uh, for our vlogentary ride-along where I provide my own commentary over the ride footage, and it's like we're riding it together, and I'm being really uh, rude and distracting you the entire time over the ride. Yeah. It's a lot more fun than it sounds, but hey, like I said, if you don't want if you don't want to hear my my questionable commentary, then there is a version called a ride through, where it's just the sounds of the it's just the ambiance of the ride. You know what I mean? So you don't hear me running my mouth over it. But if you don't care about me running my mouth, then scope out our vlog and Terry ride along videos. Um, yeah, I have videos for the Magic Kingdom Splash Mountain currently up and posted. I am, like I said, going to Disneyland here in the next couple months. So I will have uh, the same done for the Disneyland Splash Mountain. Depending on when you listen to this, that might already be available. It might not if you're listening to this right away. It's not available yet, but it's coming and you know, the Magic Kingdom ones are already up and ready for your eyeballs. So uh, hopefully you're walking away from this with uh, an urge, a fire within you to experience the wonder that is Splash Mountain at any park, either for the first time or again. So the uh, that being said... I appreciate you joining me for this. Uh, scope out the ride along and ride through videos. Also, uh, if you like what we're doing here, the best way to support us is to shop our Skeleton Crew store. So you just go to leolegacy.com slash shop, uh, skeletoncrewbrand.com, or, you know, just the Skeleton Crew tab on our website. So a couple of different ways to get there. Or you can get there through Facebook or our Instagram, the Skeleton Crew Facebook or Instagram. Both are at Skeleton Crew Brand. And speaking of social media, across all your favorite social media platforms, you can follow Leal Legacy just at Leal Legacy. So, voila. There's a lot of Disney-ish, Disney-esque designs. Our Disnerd collection for Skeleton Crew. So if you're a Disney fiend like I am... Take a gander at those. You might find something you like. I'm constantly updating new designs, reworking designs, taking old designs, put them on new things all the time, all the time. So it's in your best interest to make it part of your daily habit to scope out what we got going on at leolegacy.com. Yeah, good times, good times. And again, for the, the ride through and ride along videos, you can just go to leolegacy.com. Uh, up on the Radnorock podcast tab, go down to retrospective episodes and this, uh, post will be in there and you can check out those videos or you can dig them up on YouTube, whatever you feel, whatever you feel and keep a lookout for the Disneyland splash mountain, 
uh, right through and right along. And God willing, one day, the Tokyo Disneyland Splash Mountain ride through and ride along. So until then, thanks again, folks. And as always, most importantly, thanks for being a friend and telling a friend. <laughs>